Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Thursday, April 7th 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world so glad you could join us here today for the show. We've got all sorts of great stuff coming up for you today. If you are interested in the unfolding legalization of marijuana all across the North American continent, this is the place to be. On our show today, we've got our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment where we speak to another great speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And joining us at half past the hour today, we've got Allison Watson. She's a former assistant district attorney in Knoxville, Tennessee, who says, quote, I never went home after prosecuting a drug case feeling like I had made the world a safer or better place, end quote. We'll talk with Allison about her history as a district attorney and how it taught her that the only reasonable solution is to legalize all drugs. That's coming up at half past, so make sure you join us for that in our Cops Say Legalize Drugs segment, and make sure you visit leap.cc to learn more about about law enforcement against prohibition. They got speakers all over the country and all around the world, and you could have one at your next event. So uh, find out more at leap.cc. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant where I ask the question, why do marijuana reformers constantly reinvent the wheel? In all the states that are looking to legalize marijuana or medicalize marijuana in the next year or two, there always seems to be more than one group trying to do so, and I just wonder why can't we all get behind one initiative in our state to make these changes. I'll explain why when we get to the Radical Rant at the end of the show today. Coming up in the Drug War Data Mines, we're also going to take a look at the upcoming 420 holiday, which is no longer considered to be a kind of a joke. It's really getting mainstream attention these days, and especially in Colorado, where they're expecting to set sales records this 420 holiday. 420 comes on a Wednesday this year, so there's a weekend before and a weekend after that everyone's looking toward, and we'll give you an estimate as to what the sales numbers might look like coming out of Denver this 420. Also on the show today, behind the headlines, we told you the headline yesterday about the Drug Enforcement Administration announcing they would make a decision on petitions to reschedule cannabis before the end of June 2016, the first half of this year. Jacob Solomon at Reason lays out three reasons why we shouldn't get too excited about this announcement, and I tend to agree with him. We'll talk about that in Behind the Headlines, but all that comes up right after our first segment, the Cannabis Radio News. And in the Radio News headlines today, we've got a decision from a federal court in Hawaii about Native American church and their use of cannabis sacrament. We've got a medical marijuana initiative in Ohio that has been certified for signature gathering, this being the second one certified. But then down in Arkansas, we've got the attorney general there rejecting legalization initiative from Mary Berry. 
the wonderfully named woman out of Summit, Arkansas. In Vermont, the House there is rejecting the Senate's legalization proposal and instead offering an alternative decriminalization proposal that has me shaking my head. In Washington, D.C., we got some numbers on public toking arrests that uh, belie a terrible racial disparity that still exists. In Calgary, Canada, we've got the arrest of Dana Larson to tell you all about. And here in Portland, Oregon, Uncle Spliffy, that is Cliff Robinson, the former NBA superstar, has announced the latest venture in his Uncle Spliffy cannabis line. All that coming up in hour one of the Russ Bell Show. Then stay tuned for hour two, Toker Talk Radio. We take your calls and dish more on the unfolding issue of marijuana. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. 
This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, April 7th, 2016. Honolulu, Hawaii. A federal court has ruled that a church for Native Americans in Hawaii should not be excused from federal marijuana laws, despite the group's claim that ingesting cannabis is part of their sacred sacrament. The Native American Church of Hawaii had asked for relief from federal marijuana laws under the U.S. Religious Freedom Restoration Act, saying they used cannabis during sweat lodge ceremonies to help people connect with their creator. A district court ruled against the claim, saying the church didn't produce enough admissible evidence about its religion other than a strong belief in the benefits of marijuana. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals Wednesday upheld the district court's decision, saying a prohibition of cannabis doesn't impose a substantial burden on their right to exercise their religion. Columbus, Ohio. One week after a medical marijuana initiative from the Marijuana Policy Project was approved for signature gathering, a second medical marijuana initiative has been approved in Ohio. The initiative from Grassroots Ohio has been certified by the Ohio Attorney General, who rejected their initial submission of a petition summary weeks prior. Now the Ohio Ballot Board must decide if the initiative is one single issue and whether it runs afoul of the anti-monopoly provisions passed into law last year to thwart the failed attempt to legalize marijuana in Ohio last year. If successful, Grassroots Ohio must collect over 305,000 signatures to make the November ballot. Grassroots Ohio initiative would allow anyone to use marijuana medically without a doctor's recommendation or any registration with the state. Little Rock, Arkansas. Arkansas Attorney General Leslie Rutledge is again rejecting a proposed state constitutional amendment by Mary Berry of Summit to legalize marijuana in Arkansas. Berry's proposal seeks to legalize the cultivation, production, sale, possession, and use of the cannabis plant, including marijuana. It also calls for the release of nonviolent marijuana offenders from incarceration, probation, and parole, and to expunge their convictions from criminal records. Rutledge said in a letter Thursday that there are still ambiguities in the text of the proposal. This is the eighth time she has rejected the proposal. Montpelier, Vermont. The Vermont House has rejected the proposed marijuana legalization bill passed by the Senate and is proposing its own decriminalization bill in response. House Judiciary Committee Chairwoman Maxine Grad, a Democrat from Moortown, proposed an alternative to S-241, the Senate bill that would legalize marijuana possession and create a system of marijuana shops and cultivators, but forbid home grow of cannabis and sales of edible cannabis products. Her measure would not legalize marijuana, but rather add to Vermont's 2012 decriminalization of an ounce of marijuana by decriminalizing cultivation of two cannabis plants. Grad's bill also lowers the alcohol DUI limit from 0.08 to 0.05 BAC if a driver is found to have THC in his or her system as well. Washington, D.C. Despite legalization of marijuana by a 70% vote in 2014, 84% of those arrested for public toking in the district are African-American. The major talking point of the campaign that sold marijuana legalization was the gross racial disparity in marijuana policing, which found as many as 9 in 10 marijuana arrestees were black. While possession of up to two ounces in public is now legal, smoking marijuana in public is still a misdemeanor with a potential $500 fine and 90 days in jail. Calgary, Canada. Vancouver marijuana activist Dana Larson was arrested by Calgary police last night following a free cannabis seed giveaway. Larson is traversing Canada with his Overgrow Canada campaign, in which he vows to give away one million free cannabis seeds for public planting. Calgary police arrested Larson and another man and confiscated Larson's van. Portland, Oregon. 
Former NBA All-Star and Portland Trailblazer Cliff Robinson has announced the next venture for his Uncle Spliffy Cannabis line, a cannabis resort. In a press release, Robinson outlined plans for Cliff Robinson's Garden Club, an exciting and exclusive cannabis club and destination retreat in Oregon, hosting local members-only events as well as national and international canna tourism adventures. Robinson will pitch the venture at the Arcview Group's Investor Summit in Portland, taking place May 2nd and May 3rd. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, April 7th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, uh, we are taking a look at the situation going on with the DEA rescheduling announcement. This was something that we had brought up on the show yesterday as to how the DEA made this announcement that before the end well, before the first half of 2016 ends, they are going to make their announcement about the petitions they've received to reschedule cannabis. And Jacob Sullum out at Reason.com has written a, p- a post entitled, Three Reasons to Doubt the DEA Will Agree to Reclassify Marijuana This Year. And I tend to agree with him on this point. I think a lot of people on our side are getting very excited thinking that this is a big announcement that marijuana is going to be rescheduled to schedule two or schedule three before the end of the Obama administration. And a lot of people are putting the cart before the horse here and getting excited that finally, you know, the last thing Obama does is his legacy. He will be the guy that decrypt or that uh, rescheduled marijuana. But 
people are reading too much into this. This announcement is just an announcement that they will tell us what their decision is. It doesn't tell us what their decision will be. And the reasons that Jacob gives, I think, are pretty compelling. Number one, he says the DEA has a history of dragging its feet in response to these rescheduling petitions. This is the fourth time we've had a rescheduling petition going before the DEA. Uh, Normal did one uh, way back in the day, in the 1990s, I think, and it didn't get responded to until 2001 or something like that. It's been between six to 16 years every time that they reject a petition. It takes them six to 16 years to reject it. Now, don't think it really takes six to 16 years to review the evidence and and make a decision. They just delay and delay and delay as long as they can because they don't want to give any answers on marijuana legalization. This most recent petition, uh, the fourth petition, was filed in 2009 by a medical marijuana activist in New Mexico. And the fifth petition was filed in 2011 by Christine Gregoire, who was the uh, governor of Washington at the time, and Lincoln Chafee, who was then the governor of Rhode Island. So we've got (laughs) petitions out there. 2009, you know, we're talking uh, uh, seven years ago now. 2011, five years ago now. So well within their typical waiting period when it comes to answering these petitions. Now, the DEA has received the scientific evaluation and scheduling recommendation from HHS. That was uh, predicated by the letter from uh, Earl Blumenauer uh, and some other uh, congressmen with respect to marijuana legalization. So they've got this information before them. They've got the information from Health and Human Services, but it doesn't tell us what Health and Human Services is recommending. We just know that they've gotten something from HHS. So the memo from DEA said, DEA has received the HHS scientific and medical evaluations as well as a rescheduling recommendation or as well as a scheduling recommendation and is currently reviewing these documents and all other relevant data to make a scheduling determination in accordance with the Controlled Substances Act. Once the final determination has been made, the DEA will notify petitioners. DEA understands the widespread interest in the prompt resolution of these petitions and hopes to release its determination in the first half of 2016. Now, I believe they've probably made their decision already. They're just not going to release it until the end of the first half of 2016. And this is just typical of the way they delay. The other problem that they'll face in trying to do this is that the way the Controlled Substances Act is structured and the way that the laws around cannabis are structured in relation to that are a very thick and tangled mess to have to, un- to, have to unwind. Uh, first of all, they have to have some sort of demonstration of medical usefulness for marijuana. And they've always resisted this because their definition of what is medical use isn't the millions of people who are using it medically. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the thousands of doctors who are recommending it medically. It has nothing to do with the almost two dozen states now that have made it legal medically. The determining factor for DEA is whether or not it passes muster with the FDA and cannabis as a plant it's either going to be difficult or impossible to pull that off because you can't standardize a plant. That's why it's, that's why Marinol gets a pass because it's a standardized synthetic THC pill, but cannabis doesn't get a pass because it's an, a non-standard plant that you can't, uh, 
you can't guarantee. And of course, the Obama administration has punted on this for a long time, saying that it's up to Congress to decide how to reschedule marijuana, despite the fact the Controlled Substances Act gives the president and the attorney general all the power they need to do the rescheduling on their own. They just don't want to be left on the hook for it. Well, excuse me! As far as I'm concerned, that's the worst kind of political cowardice on President Obama's fault, is to punt on the issue of medical marijuana when it's so popular and so clearly medical to want to push the can, kick the can down the road to Congress and say it's up to them when they can't accomplish anything? Coward. Happy 420, Denver. We're back right after this. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. <laughs> what the hell are we paying you for? Are you stupid? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy, because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at sales data, especially as we're looking forward to the 420 holiday, which takes place in just 13 days. And what used to be just kind of an inside joke amongst the cannabis community has now evolved into a legitimate cultural phenomenon 
where even the squares know what 420 stands for. And of course, this 420 happening on a Wednesday uh, means that there'll be a full week of celebrations uh, and a lot of them happening all across the country, both in legal and non-legal states. High Times was not able to secure a permit for their cannabis cup in or their cannabis cup event in Denver, but they are still having a cannabis cup judging in Denver. That's taking place. And I believe there's a, an award ceremony and concert taking place as well. So I'd check out cannabiscup.com if you're interested in that. They're also having a cannabis cup event, a 420 event out there at the national orange uh, center, the, uh, uh, the NOS, they call it, National Orange Show. That's it, National Orange Show, uh, out in San Bernardino, California, for a couple of days as well. That San Bernardino location is turning into almost a, a de facto Cannabis Cup headquarters for uh, Southern California. But the uh, 420 holiday coming up is also of huge interest to the marijuana retailers now in three of the four legal states uh, in Colorado, Washington, and Oregon. Alaska still waiting to get its retail on board. And the 420 holiday has turned into the Black Friday, uh, if you will, of the marijuana industry. Just like how uh, florists look forward to Valentine's Day and I guess makers of green food coloring look forward to uh, St. Patrick's Day and uh, people that make salsa look forward to Cinco de Mayo and so forth. Fireworks vendors looking forward to Fourth of July, candy on Halloween, each one of these having their own day. And now, of course, marijuana has its day on 420. And it's not just a cultural phenomenon. Like I said, it is a sales phenomenon. When we take a look back, and this is uh, some numbers that we get from The Cannabis, uh, Ricardo Baca and the staff out there at The Cannabis have compiled some of this. In 2015, okay, so Colorado's had legal sales for two years now. In 2015, three of the top 10 Best sales days for the entire year landed on 420 and the weekend before 420. And I think 420 last year was what, a Monday or a Tuesday, something like that. Uh, so the weekend and the 420 day itself, three of the top 10 days. In fact, 420 of 2015, the Colorado marijuana shops sold $4.8 million of marijuana. And that's including the uh, dispensary sales and the recreational sales. And at the time, as of April 20, 2015, that was the highest sales day. Uh, it was later surpassed uh, on the, uh, the special holiday they had of uh, September 16th. Now, September 16th was specifically uh, interesting in Colorado because that was the day that because of Colorado's weird tax laws and Tabor and all of that, they had one day where the state waived retail and excise taxes. So that's when they had their number one sales day was September 16th because it was a tax-free sales day. Everybody was stocking up. And the number two sales day ended up being New Year's Eve when everybody was stocking up for New Year's Day and New Year's Eve celebrations. So number one was the tax holiday. Number two was New Year's Eve. And number three was 420. But there's every reason to believe that this year's 420 should definitely surpass that $4.8 million mark. We may see the first $5 million 420 holiday taking place uh, in Colorado. And 
Nationwide, of course, these numbers should also increase. We've seen similar sales figures in Washington State around the 420 uh, holiday. And now that sales have ramped up in the state of Oregon, I'm expecting to see a great sales day here in Oregon as well. Unfortunately, the Oregon sales day won't be as great as it could be. The new law that has been signed, I think it was Senate Bill 1511, has now extended the early sales. We've got a situation here in Oregon where we don't have recreational shops yet. We only have medical dispensaries. But last year, the medical dispensaries were allowed in October to start selling a quarter ounce of flour to all adults, 21 and older, but only a quarter ounce. That has been extended now so that uh, – we will be able to purchase edibles, tinctures, lotions, salves, concentrates, and extracts, which we haven't been able to purchase up until now. Uh, Unfortunately, that doesn't go into effect. I don't believe it goes into effect until July, so it won't be in time for the 420 holiday here in Portland, Oregon, and elsewhere throughout the state. But now with three states with legal sales online, the combined sales figures from Oregon, Washington, and Colorado will certainly set a new 420 sales record, as it's the first 420 with three states legally selling cannabis. Uh, Colorado's statewide pot sales will top $5 million a day, according to this, uh, let's see, who is this group that's, uh, i got to find the name of the, BDS Analytics, that's the group that's making these recommendations. They believe that statewide pot sales in Colorado will top $5 million a day between Friday, April 15th and Wednesday, April 20th, and they believe at least one of those days will top $6 million in marijuana sales. The largest sales day so far this year in Colorado has been almost $4 million in product, $3.98 million. That happened on February 5th. They're expecting to blow that away and maybe even reach $6 million in marijuana sales. In Washington State, they're expecting the 420 week will triple or quadruple the state's daily average. Daily average has been $621,000. The 420 period alone will see Washington State exceed $10 million. No current estimates for Oregon, as it is the early sales period and only limited to flour, but we should also expect some amazing sales here in the Beaver State. When we come back, we've got Cops Say Legalized Drugs, former District Attorney Allison Watson, coming up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. 
Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. One of the most disturbing elements of the Prohibition War is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers. Fortunately, one group of police officers knows the futility of Prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement. Today, the Russ Belleville Show visits with another speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition with one clear message. Cops say legalize drugs. Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour in in our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment today. We've got a great guest joining us, a former assistant district attorney from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Welcome to the show, Allison Watson. How are you, Allison? I'm great, Rush. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So glad to have you here on the show. And we speak to so many people in the different areas of law enforcement. We speak to cops and prison guards and probation officers. And today we get to take a look at things from the court's point of view. You as an assistant district attorney in Knoxville, Tennessee, must have prosecuted hundreds or thousands of drug cases, marijuana cases. What was the net effect of your work in the drug war? Do you think it made any difference at all? Well, um, actually, I was an assistant VA a little bit west of Knoxville. I was in Cumberland County. Um, But, yeah, as far as that goes, I don't think that it really makes a huge impact in the positive ways that the drug war has always promised we would see. Instead, it's usually an opposite effect where people's lives are ruined and there's been made no dent whatsoever in the supply and demand of drugs or the negative consequences that come about. Yeah, and as someone working in the court system, uh, I imagine you ended up seeing a lot of young people coming through, a lot of people primarily uh, African-American or Latino, and the impact that the drug war had on their lives. What are some of the, the negative impacts? Because I think some people out there just think you get busted with weed, you get busted with drugs, you do your time, everything's done, but it really lasts longer than that, doesn't it? It really does. You know, um, I became an attorney and eventually a prosecutor, and you'll hear many people say this because I wanted to help people. You know, I wanted to make sure that the legal system was working to provide protection for people as well as bring justice for for people that were affected by crime. And the, the war against drugs really infiltrates into more than just our criminal courts. Um, didn't take long for me to see how our system really struggles, even in the juvenile courts, the family courts. Before I became a prosecutor, I was a juvenile in 
family law attorney, and, um, you know, our, all of our courts are being filled with cases due to the drug war. And, sure, you know, it starts with the kids. They come in, um, maybe they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, maybe they made a bad decision. But if they end up with a conviction, a drug conviction on their record, then they do face a lifelong uh, consequences from conviction, from not being able to get financial aid from school, perhaps, denied employment, housing, job opportunities. Uh, I remember one young man came to see me asking what he could do. He was 25 years old. His name was Jim. I remember he and his parents were asking me, you know, I want to go join the military. I want to be like my dad and grandpa and serve my country. But when I went to the recruiter's office, uh, they told me there were no variances being given. I have a marijuana charge from when I was 18. Me and a bunch of friends were pulled over. There was marijuana in the car. And we all just pled guilty to a simple possession Mm -hmm. of what have you. And, you know, there was nothing I could do for this young man because, you know, he entered a voluntary guilty plea. There's not much you can do in that situation. And he was just devastated that he couldn't follow his dream, serve his country. And, you know, he's willing to put his life on the line for the United States, but he couldn't because of a bad decision or the group that he was with when he was 18 years old. And that's that's a sad part of the story, too, is some people will make uh, a bad decision or just have some bad luck and get caught and they're convinced by the cops, the systems, the prosecutors, whoever it is that talks to them that, well, you know, plead guilty, you'll do a little, you get a little fine, a little probation, it'll be all over. But they don't go about explaining how these other consequences will affect them for their life. And so I, I think you bring up a really good point, uh, even just tangentially, that if you are caught in one of these circumstances, it's real important to talk to a lawyer because you need to know exactly what you're up against with the criminal justice system. Absolutely. And, you know, we even have people that um, the drug war is affecting when they're coming into court on charges that aren't even drug related. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people like uh, a young lady. I remember she was a single mother. Uh, She worked in a factory and she had run into some hard times financially and I think picked up some bad check charges, maybe a shoplifting charge. And you know, these are minor crimes, ones that no one wants to see single working parents go to jail for. So in lieu of serving any time, judges and prosecutors will normally order these offenders to make restitution, pay some court costs, and stay out of trouble. But they're usually monitored by a year of supervised probation. Well, I remember this young lady, she um, was on probation and she failed a drug test for marijuana. And I distinctly remember her talking about, you know, she didn't drink. Her parents had been alcoholics, but she suffered from anxiety, and marijuana helped her. And the reasons just never really mattered. If you violate your probation, you know, for testing positive for drugs, and most of the time it is for marijuana, you have to go serve some time on that sentence. To flatten a one-year sentence, it's nine months in jail. Mm. And uh, you have to serve some time. And I remember worrying so much about her, thinking, man, she's going to lose her job. Her kids are going to have to go for a period of time without the only parent that they have. And the same day she went in to serve her time, I had a courtroom full of people who, you know, had beat up their spouses maybe for the fourth time that were never going to see a day in jail. Mm. And it's... 
you know, she had come in there for an offense that wasn't even drug related at all, but because of our drug laws and drug testing and probation and all of those things that come together, um, she was, I think, suffering probably a lifelong consequence just from having to go through those few days in jail. That changed her kid's life, that changed her job, that changed everything for her. Yeah, and and an important point to make off of this as well is we often hear from people who are against reforming our drug laws. They'll say, well, we really don't lock that many people up for marijuana anyway. And I'm like, well, yeah, but this lady wasn't locked up for marijuana. She was locked up for a probation violation on shoplifting or some other minor charge. And that doesn't show up as a drug war stat when they start making these arguments. Is that correct? You're exactly right. And you know, another good point to make is 80 to 90% of drug users, or marijuana users, are just like these folks that I'm telling you about. They're not harming anyone. They're no threat to society. They're, they're employed. They're paying taxes. They're taking care of their families. And, and these are the people that are getting caught in the system and being punished. And we're not going to build a good society that way. We are just, you know, prohibition is self-sabotage. And these are good examples of, of why that is the case. Well put. We're speaking with Allison Watson, a former assistant district attorney in Tennessee and a speaker for law enforcement against prohibition. They've got a whole stable of speakers nationwide and throughout the world. If you need someone to come speak to your event or your group, LEAP will be the the organization to do that for you. They'll be glad to help you out. Check out leap.cc on the internet if you'd like to schedule a speaker like Allison. Now, Allison, I also appreciate that you're not coming at this from some uh, Pollyanna viewpoint, thinking that it's all just marijuana and everything's uh, hippy-dippy sun and light. According to your bio here, it says you're a founding board member of the House of Hope, a nonprofit for children and families displaced due to methamphetamine manufacture. And we know about the, the devastation that drug has wrought, both in the users of the drug and the manufacture of it leading to explosions and you know uh, toxic uh, uh, homes and so forth so people you know can kind of accept the marijuana angle but when they start talking about meth and decriminalizing or legalizing those drugs they get a little more scared as someone who's dealt with this and dealt with the fallout from methamphetamine how do you answer them on that question well again prohibition no matter what you're talking about is is the problem. The underground criminal world that prohibition, not the drugs themselves, create is the problem that the criminal justice system simply cannot fix. Locking people up, seizing their drugs and property, burning down fields, tearing down their labs. Um, it's not putting a dent in the crime and the violence and the child neglect that we're seeing. Um, and it's certainly not putting any dent in the supply and demand for drugs. What we're allowing is the entire marketplace to be controlled by violent gangs, drug lords, um, people who have no idea what they're doing, blowing up their houses and putting their kids in danger, manufacturing meth, for example. And this is just putting billions of dollars a year into their pockets rather than our communities. And, you know, it's putting our children, law enforcement, and overall public health at, at huge risk and takes law enforcement away from working on serious violent crimes. Um, yeah, the the meth problem that we saw in in my district for for quite a long time, which is why we formed the House of Hope, uh, was due to people having lives in their home, and often children were there, and that exposed not only themselves but their children to great risk. Uh, you know, accidents happen, explosions happen. 
the environmental risk of them even breathing in the fumes and chemicals of that. And if we can just take the market away from this underground world where the criminals are running the show and legalize, you know, we're not talking about a free-for-all. We're talking about smart legalization, strict and responsible regulation, and truthful, effective education. Other states and countries are doing this, and they are seeing the results that the war on drugs had promised we would see. Um, instead of the opposite. And that's something that uh, we are seeing through, uh, you know, like you mentioned, other countries. Portugal has decriminalized all personal use of drugs and seen the harms from drugs drop and the use of drugs has remained steady or dropped, depending on which drug that you're talking about. These, of course, will be uh, subjects discussed in great detail at the upcoming United Nations General Assembly Special Session taking place over April 19th through the 21st in uh, New York City. We'll be there to cover that for you. And uh, Allison, that's just, uh, you know, seems to be the the wave of the future is these countries and uh, increasingly U.S. states recognizing the need to legalize or at least decriminalize all drugs. Uh, if folks out there are interested in having you uh, come speak or would like to uh, discuss this topic with you a little further, do you have any other contact information uh, that you'd like to give out? Um, sure, of course, they can always find me through LEAP, uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. I'm also a board member in uh, for an organization in Tennessee called the Tennessee Research Institute. We have a website, and you can contact us through that. I'm sorry, we, uh, we had a dropout when you were saying. What was the name of the institute again? Uh, the Tennessee Research Institute. All right, so LEAP. So we're dedicated towards educating professionals and the whole public about public policy issues, um, mainly right now towards uh, the reform of our criminal justice law. All right. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for uh, joining up with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. I know you'll make a huge difference as a LEAP speaker in Tennessee. Good luck to you. Thank you, Russ. It was an honor to talk to you today. I really appreciate having the opportunity. Well, thank you so much. All right, stay tuned, folks. When we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant. Why do marijuana reformers constantly reinvent the wheel? When we return in just two minutes on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. 
industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Why must cannabis reformers always try to reinvent the wheel? Today, I uh, covered a few stories that uh, got me to thinking about this. And uh, one, of course, was the Grassroots Ohio initiative, uh, medical marijuana initiative in Ohio that has cleared the first hurdle. The Ohio Attorney General has certified that its summary is a fair and accurate summary of its language. And uh, this marks the second medical marijuana initiative for the state of Ohio. Marijuana Policy Project has already submitted their own that has also cleared this initial hurdle. So in the state of Ohio, you've got the well-funded Marijuana Policy Project initiative that has all its language written out and all its regulatory scheme written out. And it's not too different from what you find in all the other medical marijuana states. And then you have this Grassroots Ohio written by the founder of GW Pharmaceuticals, Don Wertschafter, which doesn't have any sort of regulations in it. They're going to go with a separate initiative to set up the regulations, right? So they're going to have to pass this constitutional amendment with, you know, 50% of the vote after getting 305, 306,000 signatures, which really means getting about half a million signatures. So they're going to get a half a million signatures, this grassroots group, and then have to also get signatures for the statutory one and pass both of them for their situation. And this grassroots Ohio thing as a medical marijuana initiative, I, I do have to give them some credit as far as marketing this as a medical marijuana initiative, because technically as I look at it, it's legalization because this medical marijuana initiative by grassroots Ohio does not require a physician's recommendation and does not require you to sign up in any state registry. So what exactly means that I'm using it medically is that I say I'm using it medically. Well, who's, who's going to deny they're using it medically if that keeps you from getting a ticket or getting arrested? So yeah, this, this medical amendment that Grassroots Ohio is proposing 
is really just legalization and calling it medical because anybody who decides they want to use marijuana can use it if they say so. And, and folks, I'm not against that. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. That's why I'm saying I give these guys some credit for getting the mainstream media to call this a medical marijuana initiative when the way it's constructed, the amendment alone, anybody could smoke pot, any adult could smoke pot and a, and a minor could smoke pot with parents permission. Now, I don't know what the statutory regulations might say as far as creating registries or condition limits or anything like that. But if I were fighting against this amendment, if I were an anti, I would just say, hey, this isn't medical marijuana. This is a trick. This is a Trojan horse. They're really legalizing it because there's no physicians involved and there's no uh, uh, sort of registry involved or anything like that. And again, I'm not against it. I would vote for such a thing. I think that's great. But the point I'm trying to make is, why are we reinventing the wheel? We already know what passes with medical marijuana. We already know how to put together a medical marijuana initiative in various flavors, right? We've got whole plant, grow your own medical marijuana in the West. We've got whole plant dispensary only marijuana in the East. We've got no whole plant, non-smokable medical marijuana in Minnesota and New York. And that seems to be something that's developing as well. But we've got different types of medical marijuana all over the place. We've got 23 different examples. Why do there need to be new examples invented here? And when you've got one group already established, Marijuana Policy Project, which despite my disagreements with them on numerous issues, is an effective group. And does get laws passed. I may not always like everything about all the laws they get passed, but they do get them on the ballot and they do pass them. Why bother to try to put together some sort of grassroots group and put together all the fundraising and all the campaigning to try to get something different on the, uh, on the ballot and passed? When that same effort and fundraising, if directed toward the existing one, could make it so such a such a slam dunk as far as winning the uh, the election, and it seems to me by promoting a separate initiative, the only benefit, the only effect that I can see that happens is you split the possible signatures, you split the fundraising. If someone's only got $100 to give and they have to choose between this one or that one, you make it tougher to gather the signatures because some people might mistakenly sign the same initiative twice and invalidate a signature sheet. And you set up a situation, a stoners against legalization situation, where you'll have people voting against the MPP one so as to help the grassroots Ohio one. And so we end up with this situation that can only depress the turnout, the support, and the activism around a, 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 a medical marijuana initiative if everyone gathered behind the same one. But I think a lot of this, what this comes down to is people setting unrealistic purity tests for, a, for an initiative. Oh, well, it does this or that. It's a... It's a deal breaker, so we have to go forward with our 
initiative. I think there's some ego that goes with it as well. Why I've been in this business legalizing for 30, 40 years now, and I know how to do it right compared to whoever else might be trying it. And this isn't limited to just Ohio. It's just Ohio happened to appear on my radar today. There's a similar thing going on in Missouri. In Missouri, they've got uh, a well-backed medical marijuana initiative that's being opposed by the Mo Crap Act. These, you know, legalize it all for everybody with no age limits and toking and driving is legal act. And now I understand that group has got a splinter group that's filed a different legalization now. We have a similar thing going on in Arizona. Arizona's got the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, another MPP-backed initiative, putting together a fairly standard marijuana legalization like what we've got in four states already. It's not too different, and in some ways, it's a bit better. But that's not good enough for some people. Some people have to form this Arizonans for Mindful Reform group that is now coming out in the mainstream media in Arizona talking about how they will publicly oppose and fight against the MPP initiative, putting them on the same side as Maricopa County uh, District Attorney Bill Montgomery and, and that Sheila Polk person up in Yavapai County and all the antis, all the cops, all the Sheriff Joes in Arizona who want to see legalization fail are being helped by people who supposedly want legalization. We've got, uh, we had a similar situation, or I guess the situation still exists in Massachusetts. Bay State Repeal was unable to make the ballot, but MPP was, and some of the people behind Bay State Repeal are vowing that they will not vote for the MPP initiative. Now, if any of you out there are listening to this and going, but Russ... Aren't you the guy who vows he won't vote for Hillary Clinton? He will only vote for Bernie Sanders. Aren't you also guilty of this ideological purity to the detriment of the good of, say, the Democratic Party or the United States? I understand why you'd make that comparison. I think of that myself, but I think there's one critical difference. And that critical difference is Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton aren't running against an existing prohibition. There is an existing prohibition all throughout this country that daily ruins the lives of citizens. So when you're running a marijuana legalization initiative, that initiative isn't competing with other legalization initiatives. It's competing with prohibition. A prohibition that will be guaranteed to continue if the legalization does not win. Unlike the Sanders or Clinton contest, where you can make the argument that withholding a vote from Hillary might elect Donald Trump or Ted Cruz or somebody, those people, Cruz and Trump and so on, are still unknowns. They're not currently hurting anyone. Prohibition is currently hurting people, currently ruining lives, currently costing us our liberty. And so we have a chance to end that in Ohio, or to start to end it, in Ohio with medical marijuana, in Missouri with medical marijuana, in Arizona with legalization, in Massachusetts with legalization. So why reinvent the wheel? Why try so hard to build your own movement from the very beginning when there's already a movement 
that's already backed, that's already funded, that's already making the ballot that you could get behind and help push over the finish line. Any legalization beats all prohibition. That's all the time we got for hour one. Stay tuned. Hour two is next. We'll take your calls. We got more stories to talk about. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm live from Portland, Oregon. Radical Russ, thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enema man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonza Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome, everybody. It's the 4 o'clock hour here in the Pacific Time Zone. I'm Radical Russ. Glad to have you here. It's a beautiful day in Portland, Oregon. It's actually shorts weather here today. Absolutely blue skies. Mount Hood to my, well, just about 1 o'clock from where I'm looking. Straight out this uh, 26th floor condo. Mount Hood out there to about the 1 o'clock position and Mount St. Helens at about the 9 o'clock position. What a gorgeous day. I'm glad we could be here together, talk a little bit about marijuana and legalization and what's happening. Want to uh, play something real quick for you, uh, a friend of the show out there. Oh, before I forget, though, we have to uh, set the mood. There we go. There we go. We're feeling a little stonier now, aren't we? I got to light up for this one. Hold on. Ah, 
In case you don't recognize the Raga, that is uh, the legendary sitar master, Ravi Shankar. It's Ravi Shankar's 96th birthday today, and uh, if you uh, paid attention to Google today, you noticed they had a sitar in the Google Doodle to uh, honor his birthday. Also, some of you may not uh, may not know he's the he's Nora Jones's dad, Ravi Shankar. Now he passed away in 2012, but he uh, popularized the sitar. He made it uh, fashionable when the Beatles uh, were in their hippy dippy drug phase, and they discovered how stony a sitar is. And I do believe if you were to rank the instruments from stoniest to least stony, I do believe the sitar is the stoniest instrument out there. Uh, I think up in the top five would have to be sitar, didgeridoo, hurdy-gurdy, mouth harp. <laughs> what else is stony, man? I don't know. Uh, bassoon, I think. A bassoon, I think, is kind of a stony instrument. Uh, at the bottom of the stoniest list, the least stony instrument, I think, has to be accordion. <laughs> I have no science behind this. I'm just uh, guessing, right? <laughs> Anyway, that's uh, that's uh, little Ravi Shankar for the day. Happy birthday, Ravi Shankar. Uh, but I wanted to play this little clip that I got uh, from my friend David Murray. And uh, he's with a group called Cannabis Reformers for Bernie. And they've got a website, Yes He Can, C-A-N-N, Yes He Can, dot was it dot org or dot com uh, yes he can dot com cannabis reformers for bernie so we're going to play a little bit of uh cannabis reformers for bernie when we come back from our break uh right after we pay a little bit of the bills also coming up on this hour two we've got a new report from the public policy institute of california that says what we ought to do if we're going to legalize marijuana in california and what do you know most of it lines up with the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. It's almost as if the people that put that act together did some homework and recognized what would fly in California before they put it to paper. It's an interesting concept, I know, writing a legalization initiative based on what the people want rather than what stoners want. It's fascinating, isn't it? Also coming up on the show, we will talk about uh, <laughs> the Arizona Kremla campaign. I think it's Kremla uh, challenging Bill Montgomery down there uh, for taking money from the booze industry. And then uh, we're taking a look at DeKalb City, Georgia, an Atlanta suburb looking to decriminalize. That's right. Decriminalization is even making its way to Georgia. All that coming up in just a couple minutes. I'm Radical Russ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. 
educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, yeah, pretty excited about the uh, Democratic primary campaign. It's really heating up, folks. Uh, Bernie Sanders is finally turning up the heat on Hillary Clinton. And, And to be honest, it's something I wish he'd have been doing a little earlier in the campaign. But doggone it, Bernie's just a, you know, a swell guy. And he didn't want to have that air of it being a negative campaign. But I think I think calling it negative campaigning is a framing job uh, from the Clinton side of things. There's nothing negative about pointing out someone's record. There's nothing negative about pointing out someone's judgment, right? They say, oh, it should be about the issues. Don't make it personal. Well, yeah, but if the issue is the entrenched oligarchy that owns both political parties, then calling into question someone who's made millions of dollars from that entrenched oligarchy is the issue. (laughs) It's not personal. It is the issue. Corruption. That's what we're talking about. It's the rigged system, stupid. So yeah, I don't, I don't buy this. Oh, Bernie's gone negative. No, Bernie's just calling out Hillary Clinton on her record and her background and her terrible judgment. I mean, just this, Last couple of weeks, we've had this revelation about the uh, the Panama Papers, uh, the terrible corruption in Panama that has taken down the government of Iceland and looks to in, uh, ensnare some other world leaders and corporate heads as well. Now, maybe not so much American in this case because we've got our own tax loopholes and shelters and havens and corruption in uh, in America. We don't have to go all the way to Panama for that. But some of these other countries, you know, where they have oversight and functioning democracy, democracies and <laughs> they they actually do have to go to all the way to Panama. And this goes back to 2011 on successive days, Hillary Clinton stood up and praised the Panama trade deal and how great it was and 
on the day before Bernie Sanders had stood up and said, this is a terrible deal. And it, and Panama's known for this terrible corruption and gee, who was right again, who was right again when it came to judgment, Bernie Sanders. So there's no secret that I'm, you know, totally feeling the burn here on the Russ Belville show. And I was contacted. I've been contacted by the, uh, the uh, Bernie or bust people, and we're going to have them on the show pretty soon. And I was contacted by our friend David Murray, who turned me on to the fact that he's a part of this Yes He Can website, yeshecan.com. That's can with two N's, like cannabis, right? Yes He Can. And it's a burners for Bernie. It's all about cannabis reformers for Bernie Sanders. Got a nice looking website here, and they highlight. you know, Bernie's stand against the war on drugs and, and the private prisons and so forth. And they got a little promotional uh, audio that I wanted to play for you just because it's something I, I support. So let's hear from the cannabis advocates for Bernie Sanders. What we're trying to do is create a Oh, well, that's not loud enough. We're going to have to get that fixed. Okay, we'll fix that, uh, that uh, MP3 there, see if we can get that... Uh, a little louder for you. But again, yeshecan.org is the uh, website if you're interested in that. And, uh, of course, Bernie Sanders, only uh, major party candidate out there who's advocating for an absolute descheduling of marijuana. Not rescheduling, but descheduling. Hillary Clinton, she's still trying to wrap her mind around rescheduling marijuana. And even that's a, a huge leap for someone like her. So... Uh, we shall see how that turns out. The um, the Burners for Bernie uh, post that I put up on our uh, Marijuana Politics page, if you want to check that out, it's available as well. And you can uh, hear more or read more of my point on that. We've got uh, pipes for sale with Bernie Sanders logo. They've got, uh, they've got all sorts of uh, uh, rolling papers and an ashtray and so much more. You can check that out. Burners for Bernie is the uh, post up on marijuanapolitics.com. I've also got a post up on huffingtonpost.com. Uh, check out my author page there if you want to know more. And we'll find that. Let me get this uh, MP3 from the Cannabis Advocates for Burning. We're trying to get this uh, loaded up into the audio folder and converted so you can actually hear it. So pardon me while I do some uh, on-the-fly amplification here in Audacity. And we'll see if we can just run this for you right now and if you'll be able to hear it this time. What we're trying to do is create a framework and an infrastructure that will allow people around the country to organize uh, in their communities on a grassroots basis to find other cannabis supporters that are also Bernie supporters Mm -hmm. to get out, organize, be at public events, organize your own events, uh, viewing parties if there's a a cannabis-related thing, go out, get in force, represent the campaign, Mm -hmm. and and let your other cannabis uh, reformers Mm -hmm. and advocates know where he stands and try to galvanize this group because, you know, even a majority of Republican millennials yeah. support cannabis deregulation. I didn't know that. Makes yeah. sense to me. And, yeah. and, and Bernie is a fantastic civil libertarian when yes. it comes down to it. So there's a huge pool of particularly youth 
uh, and, and all the way up to my age and older that could be brought in and made enthusiastic and get out and vote on this election. Can people bring their marijuana to these parties? and, and Some. Vote? Some. I, it depends. No, if they're 21 and over, they probably could. It, it depends where you're at. Oh, okay. Um, I, I won't say there's a universal. I've certainly been to ones where it's discouraged or okay. you're No, that no, makes sense. I mean, just legality rather than it's kosher, sort of. But anyway, yeah, that that's, too. so, so the, the house parties are something to look forward to? Yes. And In fact, after the first debate, we actually hosted at the world-famous Cannabis Cafe um, I a, a, a secondary... We called, oh. it, we called it an afterburn. An afterburn. Where we did a secondary screening of the debate, and if you wanted to, <laughs> to light up, it was, it was a cannabis-friendly. Well, that's, so. that's a very nice thing. Yeah, dang shame that the uh, world famous Cannabis Cafe has had to shut down because of Portland, or because of the state of Oregon and their Clean Air Act uh, that uh, forbids cannabis smoking indoors. Uh, even though there's been no scientific backing to any harms, uh, secondhand smoke wise, which is the entire basis of our Clean Air Act, was the harms of secondhand tobacco smoke. Regardless, Cannabis Cafe is closed, but the uh, Northwest Cannabis Club, I think, still remains open, and uh, we hope there will be more politically-related cannabis events for people to be able to attend like this. Watching some of those Republican debates about the only way you could get through it is uh, smoking a little herb, if you ask me. Now, Speaking of the Democratic campaign, just a quick note here. Uh, folks in my chat room pointed this one out to me, and it's almost as if the Hillary Clinton campaign is in this slow-motion self-destruct mode, and it's just very interesting to watch. Bill Clinton, who I believe is one of the most gifted politicians of our time as far as his charisma and his rhetoric and just his political skill, uh, really laid a turd in the punch bowl here just now, uh, this was just a little bit ago in Philadelphia. Now, you remember how Hillary Clinton back in the 90s uh, referred to the Clinton crime bill, the one that started this whole mass incarceration problem we've got, and was speaking about how these black kids, the inner city kids, these gangs were not like normal kids. They're super predators. And they have to be brought to heel. You can ask how they got that way. You can ask how it happened. But first, they have to be brought to heel. And this was a big controversy when she was confronted by a Black Lives Matter protester at one of her paid engagements where you have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to get in to see her. And uh, confronted her on those comments and was briskly escorted out by Secret Service. So this has been a bit of an issue for Hillary, this whole super predators, crime bill sort of thing. And... Bill Clinton in Pennsylvania today was interrupted by a Black Lives Matter protester and his response coming from somebody who's usually pretty politically savvy was pretty damn tone deaf. Uh, I'll let you be the judge. Here's a listen. Oh, well, there'll be a listen as soon as I turn that uh, mute off. Where is that at? There's the mute. Okay, <laughs> let's make that happen again.
who kill the lives you say matter. Tell the truth. You are defending the people who caused young people to go out and take guns. There was a 13-year-old girl in Washington, D.C. who was planning her own photo. How would you do it? Now, look at this other one. Look at this. That's not true. Now, let's talk about the other thing. The woman had a sign there that said, uh, that said Clinton crime bill destroyed our communities. And uh, that's the sign he was pointing to and saying, that's not true. Well, Bill Clinton, you are sure going to hear a lot about this defending the people uh, accusing Black Lives Matter protesters of defending the killing of uh, young black people. This it'll be interesting to see how this gets uh, played in the media and how Hillary Clinton manages to or wants to try to wiggle her way out of this one. Uh, that's a pretty damning quote. Thanks to the chat room uh, for bringing that up to us. We always appreciate that support here on the Russ Belleville show. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. That could be some good advice. Happy 420, everyone, from beautiful legal Potland, Oregon. Oh, my gosh, it's beautiful today. This makes up for those months and months of gray and wet. Almost. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at that Public Policy Institute of California report on legalization and how it stacks up against the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, 
dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour here from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, coming to you live from the banks of the Willamette River. Gorgeous day outside. All blue and green everywhere you look. Just like Cascadia. There's an important report uh, that we want to get to here from the Public Policy Institute of California, well respected organization. And the uh, report is called Regulating Marijuana in California. It was released today. And it notes that neither overall marijuana use nor use by young people have risen dramatically in Washington and Colorado, and recommends any approach to adult use legalization in California include maximum regulatory flexibility, strong data collection, reporting, and oversight, and a restrictive regulatory structure. And it just so happens that the recommendations made by the Public Policy Institute of California very closely align with the structure of the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. In the report, they said California should approach legalization with an eye toward flexibility. Well, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act does that. It has regulatory flexibility and allows the legislature to amend the regulatory regulatory provisions, excuse me, uh, by a majority vote so they can make adjustments and improvements. The report says California should include a strong and transparent reporting system. Well, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act does that. There's the Bureau of State Audits that will conduct annual audits over the marijuana industry. The act provides $10 million to public universities to research and evaluate the implementation and effect of the new law. And they'll report to the legislature and the governor. And the universities will study public health, public safety, economy, and effectiveness of legalization. And all of these reports... Talk about transparency. All these reports will be made available to the public. In the report, it says California should adopt a relatively restrictive regulatory model for both the recreational and medical markets. Adult Use of Marijuana Act does that. It uh, copies some of the MMRSA regulations, the new medical marijuana regulations, and expands upon them uh, in a tightly controlled, regulated, taxed environment. The PPIC report says California should include a robust regulation of the entire supply chain. And the Adult Use of Marijuana Act does that for both medical and non-medical. They've got the Department of Consumer Affairs, Department of Public Health, Department of Food and Agriculture all involved in the regulation of different parts of the supply chain. They say there should be a seed to sale tracking system and the Adult Use of Marijuana Act includes that. The report says stiff penalties to suppress the illegal market are essential. That remains as well. Although in a lot of cases, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act takes things that are guaranteed felonies and reduces them to what are called wobblers, 
under California law. And a wobbler is one where the prosecutor can decide whether to charge it as a misdemeanor or charge it as a felony. So that's back to that whole flexibility part that was mentioned earlier. There's also uh, a need for penalties for diverting marijuana to other states. And that is covered by Adult Use of Marijuana Act, which also provides revenue to law enforcement. So it has the resources to crack down on the illicit market. According to the PBIC report, California must set limits on the scale and location of production operations. These are these buffer zones from schools and youth centers and so forth. The minimum buffer is 600 feet under the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, but localities can expand that. And also, mega grows, large cultivation licenses, won't be issued in the first five years. That's going to be to allow the existing growers to kind of build up over that five-year period. And even after that five-year period, once they start licensing larger grows, they can have restrictions on vertical integration, just like the medical marijuana law uh, does right now. In the report... Production regulations might include residency requirements, and that is a requirement in the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. You have to be a resident from on or before January 1st, 2015 to be able to get yourself a license. And I believe that expires by 2020, uh, so there won't be a residency requirement after that five years. The report asks that California needs specific environmental protections. There are pages and pages of these environmental protections and funding to restore the lands damaged by illegal marijuana grows and marijuana businesses have to abide by environmental laws like the environmental quality act, the endangered species act and the clean water act. The report underscores the need for proper labeling, packaging and testing of edibles. The adult use of marijuana act would produce the strictest regulations on that in the world to protect children from non-medical marijuana. Also warnings on allergens, whether there's, you know, peanuts or other known allergens involved in the manufacture and uh, in small portion sizes. Packaging has to be resealable, child resistant and not attractive to children. That's all covered in the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. The report says Colorado and Washington prohibit the public use of marijuana, confine sales to marijuana-only stores, and give local government control over regulating stores. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act does that. There will be no public consumption of marijuana, and stores won't allow anyone to sell alcohol or tobacco or publicly consume marijuana in the stores. However, there is a provision within the Adult Use of Marijuana Act that could lead to the licensing of adult use venues. I understand why they didn't mention this in this press release because they're trying to show this press release is really for the squares out there to convince them that they're serious about regulating this strictly. I don't think they want that known. This will be interesting as the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is being campaigned over if the opponents seize upon that, the fact that there could be pot lounges. The uh, PPIC report recommends restricting non-medical use to adults age 21 and over. Well, that's already done. 21 is the age for non-medical use under Adult Use of Marijuana Act. Uh, Recommendations for measures to prevent minors from entering marijuana stores. Adult Marijuana Act does that. Uh, Strong penalties who sell to minors. We've got that uh, in Adult Use of Marijuana Act. Uh, Public education campaign about driving while impaired. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act does that. 
The report asks for drug driving prevention that requires training and the development of an accurate practical test for marijuana that can withstand court scrutiny. This is interesting because the Adult Use Marijuana Act is not proposing a per se DUID limit, like a five nanogram thing that we have in Washington or Colorado. They are providing funds to the California Highway Patrol to establish and adopt a protocol to determine whether a driver is impaired by any substance, including marijuana, and funds for training DREs, drug recognition experts. This may be the best politically that we can expect when we have serious legalization proposals out there. Oregon did something similar. And there was a lot of pressure to put a per se DUID in our law, but Anthony Johnson, that was a deal breaker for him. It wasn't going to happen. But the compromise is, look, we know you want a standard. You know we want it to be scientifically accurate. So the compromise is we'll fund some scientific studies on how you determine if someone's too impaired to drive under marijuana. And this has been a, a, a good political move because from their point of view, from the law enforcement, from the square point of view, they're like, yes, okay, we'll, we'll do the studies and then the, the, the scientists will tell us what the magic number is. But it's good from our point of view because we know what the science is going to tell them. <laughs> the science is going to tell them there is no magic number. There's no number you can come up with that guarantees that the person that you just pulled over is too high to drive a car. That number doesn't exist. I'm over any per se DUID limit when I wake up in the morning after eight hours of sleeping. Just because I'm a big guy, I'm 245 pounds, right? And I got a lot of fat on me and I smoke a lot of pot and that pot stays in my fat cells. And when I sleep, it metabolizes. And when I wake up, I'm probably over five when I wake up. But no way am I too impaired to drive a car. We had that, uh, was it KIRO that did the uh, marijuana driving simulation? Addie Norton, the medical marijuana patient, shows up at 15 nanograms or 13, I think it was. She's already over twice the legal limit. She gets up to eight or 11 times the legal limit. She's up to 0.56 or she's at 56 nanograms before her driving even becomes borderline. That's a quote from the drug recognition expert cop borderline at 56. So there's no magic number. So when the adult use of marijuana act says, okay, we're going to give California highway patrol a bunch of money to try to find a magic number. As long as they're required to back that up with science, we're going to be fine because they won't find a magic number. Now, the cynic in me is going to tell you what they will do. <laughs> and I mentioned this. Uh, this was the subject of my rant. Was it yesterday or the day before? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Because you cannot find a magic number that tells you someone's too impaired to drive. What they will start searching for is a magic number that tells them how long ago you smoked pot. They'll shift the argument from being whether or not you're actually impaired to whether or not you just recently smoked pot and infer you're supposed to infer that that means you're too impaired. They're going to imply it. They're going to say, oh, we've got this test that shows that you smoked pot within the last two hours. A little will swab your cheek or you'll blow into a device or whatever it is, but we'll discover whether or not you smoked pot in the past two hours. And that'll become the standard that says you're too impaired to drive. 
at, regardless of whether or not you just smoked pot, hell, five minutes ago, but you're still driving fine, it's not going to matter. And the argument they'll make is that with alcohol, if you're at a .08 in your blood, you've got to wait a couple hours before you go drive. It takes a couple hours to metabolize that. So they'll say, well, gee, if you expect the drinker to have to wait two hours before driving, why not? Is it, why is it not fair to expect the toker to wait a couple hours before driving? You said treat it like alcohol. And then we're going to be forced in this position of having to say, but it's different because within the two hours of drinking at 0.08, you're still impaired. But within the two hours of smoking pot, you're not impaired. And they'll just turn that and say, oh, so are you saying it's okay to smoke pot and drive? Because if it's less than two hours, then it could be less than an hour, and then it could be less than a half hour, and then it could be you know, indistinguishable from actually just smoking pot and driving. Now, you know, and I know, that plenty of people can smoke pot and drive. This, we've seen it with our own damn eyes. I have been all across this country in 20 different states now, and in every one of them, I've ridden in a car with a driver who has either recently smoked pot, like the last five minutes just smoked pot, or was smoking pot in the car while driving. We've all seen it. This is the not-so-secret secret of the marijuana world. Smoking and driving go together like smoking and driving. <laughs> it's, it's a road trip legend. It's, a, it's an iconic part of a long, barren wilderness road trip unfortunately the public doesn't see it that way and this is going to be the big battle of the legalization era mark my words we got to take a break we'll come back with more on the cannabis movement and marijuana law reform when we return this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show. Or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a Resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has National Resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a scuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 39 after the hour, and I love my chat room. If you haven't gotten into the chat room, make sure you make a point of that one of these days. We're at CannabisRadio.com, and when you click on the player, there's a little uh, thing that looks like a cartoon balloon. might be wiggling at you. you. Click that little balloon, it'll open you up into the chat room. You get online with Trickster Phillips and John Thomas and John Chambers and Kristen Williams. And who else is hanging out today? Big Daddy Fink, James James, all hanging out in the chat room. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout to the chat room because y'all crack me up sometimes. <laughs> One of you out there was talking about uh, how the Adult Use of Marijuana Act says we got to you know, protect the kids. You know, The marijuana can't be packaged in anything that's attractive to children. And one of the chat room people said, make all the packages look like books. <laughs> That'll make it unattractive to kids. <laughs> Some of the kids out there, what's a book? <laughs> yeah, back in my day, we didn't have no Google. We didn't have no Wikipedia. We had the Encyclopedia Britannica, damn it. <laughs> and if something happened after 1974, well, my God, you weren't going to know about it because that's the date of the encyclopedia your folks bought. <laughs> so it's 1984. You're trying to do some sort of essay, some sort of report. <laughs> They still got country names from 1974 in there. There's a Rhodesia <laughs> sitting in there somewhere, you know. Ah, oh, I can't imagine growing up today. I just can't imagine because I was I was a pretty obsequious, perspicacious young man. <laughs> and you could tell I was obsequious and perspicacious because I would read the dictionary and learn words like obsequious and perspicacious. <laughs> I was a, a freak as a little kid, man. I Literally, I read that Encyclopedia Britannica cover to cover. I read all the books except W because they lost W. My parents lost that edition. W was one of the thickest ones, and they had been using it as a seat booster, and somehow it got lost. So, you know, if 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 I end up on Jeopardy <laughs> and the subject is things that start with a W, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeless, right? But it's just amazing that, you know, and somebody out there, I don't know who coined the phrase, they said, uh, in the information age, ignorance is a choice. Maybe it was uh, Sharon Ravert, but somebody coined that phrase. In the information age, ignorance is a choice. And that's something I really think, okay, so like ranking why marijuana is becoming legal, you'd have to pick like the, what's the number one factor that's making marijuana legal. Right now, it's starting to become economics, right? States that need tax revenue, money that's being made, companies that are being born, jobs that are created. 
economics is really driving the continuation of legalization. But what got us there? What got us to legalization, right? Because until Colorado and Washington legalized, it was all just, you know, predictions of what would happen. Well, we'll make a bunch of tax money. Are you sure? Well, we don't know. (laughs) We never legalized, right? So what got us there? What got us to the point where people were ready to legalize? I think the number one factor is the internet. I really do. I think the ability of people to look it up for themselves and to be able to communicate with others and not just friends and family, but a wide network of complete strangers through Facebook and other applications led to an awakening, led to a realization. It's that emperor wears no clothes moment for people where they like, wait a minute. I know these people. They talk about smoking pot on Facebook or wherever else I I get emails from. They seem like decent people. And then when I hear this guy from the government says this thing about gateway theory, I go, I go to Wikipedia and I look that up and there's links and stuff that tell me it's not true. I think it's that access because, you know, I I grew up in Idaho. I grew up in Red State, Idaho, in the most conservative county in Red State, Idaho. And you feel so alone. (laughs) You just feel, you know, it's bad because you're a criminal, right? And you're hunted. These small town cops, they're looking for you because you're revenue. You are a gazelle on on the savannah, (laughs) right? You are a tasty treat for the lion. And so you, you, you grow up in this, you come up in this realm of, of paranoia and secrecy and hiding and clandestine meetings and, and outlaw mentality. So the last thing you're doing is talking about weed to people. Oh, sure. The guy that you're getting your weed from or your friends that you're smoking weed with, but they don't need convincing. They're already on our side. But you get isolated into this little island of your connections, at the first and maybe even second level, right? You, your close pals that smoke, the smoking circles you're in, and the dealers and the growers you get it from in that, in that small circle. And you're all part of the same choir and you already agree that people ought not go to jail for weed anyway, right? So you're not out there talking to the people who need convincing or the people who don't smoke pot but are on our side or the people that don't smoke pot and don't really have an attitude or an opinion about it but could easily be convinced with science and reason and logic. And we never got out to be able to talk to those people except for the brave few that would be, you know, normal chapters and public speakers. But by and large, the cannabis community kept to itself in small isolated pockets everywhere you went. You could have a a city like San Francisco, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in the metro area, but each pocket of smokers would be 20, 24, 25 people. There could be, you know, a hundred thousand pot smokers in that area, more, but all in little powerless sects, 25, 30 apiece, little cells, if you will, of pot smokers before the internet. But with the internet and with social networking and, and, and the connections available, it expanded our reach beyond just our toke circle, right? And in subtle ways, right? It wasn't always that you were getting on Facebook to talk about, you know, how much you loved smoking the sticky icky. 
but it would be the sharing of a clip from that 70s show with Tommy Chong on it making some stoner joke. And that could be laughed at by some of your coworkers or some of your friends or some of the family that follows your Facebook page and just subtly spread that kind of knowledge that, hey, hey, we all think this pot thing's kind of funny, don't we? We don't think it's scary. We don't think it's a crime. It's just a joke. So why do we treat it like a crime? And that networking and the power of factorial numbers <laughs> begins to snowball. And that's where this awareness grew. You know, a lot of people will say that it's medical marijuana is what got us where we are. But I, I think medical marijuana also is the beneficiary of a lot of this newfound communications. Because if you remember, the, the history of medical marijuana is pretty geographically isolated to the Bay Area of California. That's where Dennis Perone and Brownie Mary and all the AIDS activists and the Cannabis Buyers Club was a pretty localized geographic phenomenon. But after California passes medical marijuana in 96, 96 is also about when the internet starts to take root and people start hearing about this thing called the World Wide Web. And it starts to grow. And I believe it's this, it's, it's that it's the internet and it's people hearing stories from the medical marijuana states and, and be able to communicate that back and forth. That has been the number one factor in growing this legalization movement, the communication, like I've said for years, if we're talking about it, we're winning because we got facts, science, reason, compassion, truth, and logic on our side. So that's why we're here. That's why we're here every weekday is to continue talking about it, to continue spreading this message. And I will keep traveling this country. My goal is 50 states by the time I'm 50. I'm going to talk to people in all 50 states about marijuana legalization. We're going to bring this era of prohibition to an end. We're going to put me out of a job. We're going to make marijuana so commonplace. Well, let's not be hasty. <laughs> but we are going to make marijuana so commonplace and so mainstream that at least my job will change, okay? <laughs> I won't be having to report on people's houses being busted down and dogs being shot and kids being taken away and families having to relocate across the United States just to save their sick kid and, and taxpayer money and, and resources funding helicopters to land in the national forests and rip up wild hemp plants. Those kind of nonsensical stories will be relegated to the trash bin of history. There'll still be plenty for me to report on in the world of cannabis. So let's not put me out of a job yet. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's keep radical Russ fed. I'm all for that. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll uh, wind things up here on the Russ Belleville show on this beautiful Thursday, reminding you that coming up next week, we got some more events. I just got invited to another event next Tuesday. National Cannabis Industry Association's hosting its quarterly Oregon caucus. And you know, like, you know me, I love a caucus. So we'll be there. <laughs> and then uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, I'll be at the Blazers versus Nuggets game, one of the last games of the season. We'll be there for a pre-party as well and might get the chance to interview Uncle Spliffy himself. So looking forward to that. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Got to pay a few bills. Stay tuned.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for marijuana sales to take place in regulated businesses and stop taking place in our neighborhoods. It's time to create rules for testing and labeling marijuana so that consumers can know what they're getting. Prohibition has failed. It's time for a more sensible approach. Vermont is ready. We're ready. We're ready. Vermont is ready. It's time to end prohibition and regulate marijuana in Vermont. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Today, just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, winding things up here on the Rush Belleville Show. Reminding you, tomorrow we've got another live show coming to you, and our guest on tomorrow's show is Libertarian Presidential Candidate Kevin McCormick. We'll be talking to him tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Monday, we've got Dr. Mitch joining us for our regular cannabis Q&A. We'll talk about, talk about all the latest studies and surveys and data on marijuana. And I'm booking someone for Tuesday, and I, it slipped my mind who it is. We had just emailed before the start of the show, but I'll remember later, and we'll uh, promote that. And then next week, uh, flying away. April 14th, flying away to Washington, D.C. I'm going to cover the Students for Sensible Drug Policy Conference on the 15th and 16th. Then on the 17th and 18th, I'll be in New York City at Mark Kleiman's Cannabis Summit, where I've just received confirmation I will have a table and a display booth for Cannabis Radio there and the Russ Belville Show. So that's awesome because all of the major drug reformers and prohibitionists will be there. Kevin Sabet will be there. <laughs> Looking forward to it. And then uh, the 19th, 20th, 21st, the United Nations General Assembly special session is taking place. So I got to be honest, the week of the 17th, the shows, I don't know if I'll be on live or not, because this is all pretty ad hoc. I don't know what I'll be able to set up or if I'll have a table or there'll be Internet. And 
It is the United Nations, so I imagine there's a lot of security as far as what I can bring. So we will see. I might have to pre-record the shows the night before and then uh, have the uh, studio play them back for you. So we shall see. But lots going on. I'll be in Washington, D.C. next weekend and New York the week of the 17th, the 420 week. I'll be in New York City. And then the end of that weekend, I'll be flying back to the West Coast, where on Sunday the 24th, I'll be at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Tommy Chong is headlining, and Dr. Carl Hart will be there delivering a keynote speech. Looking forward to seeing Dr. Hart. Hope to get an interview with him. Then it's off to the Southeast, where I will be uh, touring North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida over the span of two weeks. So Monday and Tuesday, we'll be in North Carolina with the Unity Torch. This is a cannabis community rally from Portland, Maine, all the way down to Miami, Florida, uniting the East Coast Cannabis Reform Organizations. I think it's a great idea. So I'll be with them, joining them in Raleigh, North Carolina, making our way down to Charlotte, making our way, continuing into South Carolina, probably the Greenville area, and then into uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Macon, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida, and then on the way down to Miami, Florida. I'll just be road tripping with them. So again, the uh, the live lineup might be sketchy as far as uh, how often I can be on live, but I am so looking forward to getting to the South. I've never been to North Carolina, never been to South Carolina. So I get two more states to add to my 50 states by 50 goal and uh, more states in the South. Always happy to go to the South. It's exciting uh, to meet the people down there. So lots going on. First week of May, I'll be in Miami. And the end of that weekend, I'll be in Dallas, Fort Worth for the Global Marijuana March on May 7th. Back to Orlando the week after that. Then Alaska the weekend after that. And uh, Washington, D.C. at the end of that month. And then Aspen. Uh, We're going to be everywhere here on the Russ Belleville Show. And we couldn't do it without your support. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And and joining us on CannabisRadio.com as often as you can. Let your friends know. Get them signed up. Get them to download this podcast. Get our numbers up and help us spread this growing truth about cannabis from coast to coast. I'm so honored and proud to be able to do this for you every day. Love our chatters. Love our regulars. Love our VIPs. That sound means that we're just about out of time here for hour two, but we'll be back tomorrow with more news and interviews you can use for the cannabis community. For everyone at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, live and direct from beautiful legal Potland, Oregon, on the banks of the Willamette River, looking at majestic Mount Hood in the distance. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. And it goes down.